We'll look in John chapter 7. We got down about verse 20, 21. We'll try to get our thoughts together. Um, in this chapter, we have saw, of course, at the end of 6, all of the disciples, the, the multitude, left Him there because of His words. They were hard sayings. They were offended, and they left Him. And, of course, Peter makes his great confession there at the end of chapter 6. We come to 7, and we see Jesus' own brothers. They're mocking. They're making fun of Him. Uh, they don't believe in Him. And, you know, they, they've saw miracles. They've saw the way He lived. But as you see over and over in John, people believe to an extent, but they do not believe that He's the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And it's because of what He is and what He looks like and what He has in the flesh. It's not because of the works. But they're there mocking him and saying, you ought to be up at Jerusalem at this Feast of Tabernacles when everybody's going to be there. If you want people to know you, then that's where you ought to be doing your works. And the Lord more or less reproves them. He says, it's not my time. You go on. So Jesus stays and he goes up later in secret. And we know he has to go in secret because this man... Uh, you think about not done in the corner, and I, I would like for us to recognize this, that everybody knew who Jesus was. And as they gathered for this feast, the common people, they're looking around for Him. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Him? Is He here? Has He been teaching anywhere? Where is He at? And the leaders, the Pharisees, and the Sanhedrin court, the the, the judges and the rulers of the Jews, they're looking for him to kill him. And they said, we know he'll come up here. We'll be waiting on him and we'll arrest him when he comes. So everybody from the highest brass in the Jewish religion down to the least, they all knew about him and they were all talking about him. They're all looking for him. And about midway through the feast, Jesus goes to the temple, to the synagogue, and there... He begins to teach the Word of God. And as the Lord teaches, they're marveling at His doctrine, at His wisdom. And they said, this man's not, he's not been to seminary. He's not been under any of these great teachers and leaders. How does he have the wisdom and the understanding that he has? And really, it's an impossibility that he would outside of God bearing witness as to who he was. So Jesus comes down to verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keepeth the law. Why go ye about to kill me? So this people's trust was in Moses and in the law. They felt like that their lives were good enough and, and they met the requirements of the law enough that God was accepting them for what they were doing. And Jesus is going to take that law that they trust in and bring conviction upon them. He says, if, if you really were keeping the law, would you be going about to kill me? Does not the law say, thou shalt not kill? You know, you think about how easy that is. Even you and I, when we were in sin, if you've been saved, we all thought that we were good and right 
no matter what our lifestyle looked like. We were good enough to be accepted with God. But how quickly with just the, the big ten, the ten commandments, you could tear down what we said we were. And Jesus takes one of the big ones, one of the big ones that nobody here would say, well, I've never done that before. Thou shalt not kill. And he says, you're going about to kill me. And they say, no, we're not going about to kill. You've got a devil. You're wrong. We can see in chapter 5, the Jews sought to kill him. You can see in chapter 6, they were out to kill him. Chapter 7, verse 1, he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. In verse number 11, then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? So what's going on? They're looking to kill him. That was their intent. That was their desire. And he calls them to the floor for it. And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is verse 21, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receive circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me, because I've made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So what was one of their great issues with Jesus? We remember earlier in this study of John, you saw the Sabbath law, the law of the Sabbath day in the Old Testament. How that there was to be no servile work done therein. It was to be a holy day, a day dedicated unto the Lord. And so here the Lord Jesus has come and He's taken sick people and people that are lame and people that have need and He's been healing people on the Sabbath day. And they've said, well, when you do that, you're working on the Sabbath day and you're breaking it. That was their biggest gripe against Jesus, especially at this time. And Jesus says, Moses gave you circumcision. So we know that circumcision was 430 plus years before Moses. God gave circumcision to Abraham. And that was the seal, that was the mark, that was the token that God gave to the, the Jewish people that would set them apart from the rest of the world. And in a lot of ways, it's like our baptism today. Those that have made profession, those that have been saved, they are given water baptism. That's not a saving work. Circumcision was not a saving work. There were many circumcised men that in the wilderness died in unbelief of the Word of God. But it's a sign and a seal. And so Moses took this that God gave to Abraham and there was a law given that on the eighth day every man that was born, every child that was a male that was born would be brought to the temple and would be circumcised. Well, that's well and good. But what if you're born on a Friday? Eight days from Friday is Saturday, the Sabbath day. Now we've got a problem. You can't circumcise on the Sabbath day. You'll break the Sabbath. 
but it's commanded that we circumcise on the eighth day. So you know what they did? And honest, is this really that hard? Well, we'll, we'll circumcise on the Sabbath day because that's what God commanded. But you know, it, it gets much more absurd than that. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is making this same argument with them, but he says this, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? Now we recognize that's in the law as well. They're saying you shouldn't heal these people that have need on the Sabbath day. You're working. But if my cow, if one of my cattle falls into a ditch and is going to die there, I can go and pull him out of there on the Sabbath day. You see the hypocrisy. And that's the way religion is. Religion and works produces hypocrisy. Because I say, this is what you ought to do. And on the flip side, I'm doing those very things that I say you shouldn't. Jesus, you shouldn't heal on the Sabbath day. You shouldn't help people on the Sabbath day. But I'm going to help my sheep that's in the pit. I'm going to help him out. And so in Romans, Paul even deals with that. You say that you shouldn't steal. Do you steal? You that teach the law, do you break the law? Here was a people that trusted in the law for righteousness, and yet they were breakers of the law. That's the way every man on the face of the earth is. They're trusting in works, and yet they're unrighteous. That can't work. But Jesus says, if a man on the Sabbath day by the law of Moses can receive circumcision and the Sabbath not be broken, why are you angry at me because I've healed a man, I've made a man whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You're going to have to get a little deeper if you're going to get to the truth. Don't judge based on appearance. We might say today, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't make a, a rash judgment. But dig a little deeper and let's judge righteously. Listen to this in Deuteronomy. I charged your judges, Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 16, at that time saying, Here are the causes between your brethren and judge righteously between every man and his brother and the stranger that is with him. Ye shall not respect persons in judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. It was, a, it was an esteemed place to be a judge. It was a, it was a weighty place to be a judge. Because God's commandment is, you judge righteously in every situation. <clears throat> Don't take into account who a man is, what family he's from, what kind of money he's got, whether or not he can benefit you or not. 
Don't take any of those things into account, but as the case is brought before you, you judge rightly according to the law of God. That's hard for a man to do, isn't it? But that was the commandment of God. He wanted, God commanded in the nation of Israel amongst His people that if there's judgment brought, it's righteous and it's true and it's the right thing. And so here the Jews, they're doing one thing and accusing Jesus for doing honest a better work than what they were doing. And that's the way we'll be if we're not very careful. We will accuse one person of doing something and saying that's a shame, they ought never to do that. And then tomorrow, we do the same thing. Or our children do the same thing. And we sweep that under the cover because we respect their person. And let me say this while we're right here. Respect of persons, you see that in the New Testament as well. God is no respecter of persons. And sometimes you'll hear that interpreted as God treats and gives every man the same thing. Now we know, we know in the flesh that's not true. Some people are born rich. Some people are born poor. Some people are born with sight. Some people are not born with sight. Some people are born with great intelligence. Some people don't have great intelligence when they're born. Does everybody get the same thing? Everybody here, was you born with the same thing as everybody else? No. And that's not what that means either. It means that God does not take into account who that a person is as he's bestowing his gifts. Man doesn't receive anything because he's good, because he's religious, because he's got money, because he's important, because he's a politician, because he's a a member of the Sanhedrin court. God's not taking into account who a person is as he's giving his gifts out. That's what that means. doesn't mean everybody gets the same thing. And so, judge righteous judgment. In Deuteronomy 16, thou shalt not rest judgment, thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift. For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of justice. So the judge shouldn't be paid off either. You pay the judge off, you know what that's going to do? That's going to blind his eyes to justice and turn him to your favor and to your side. There's ways to worm around everything in this world. And certainly... The judicial system set up to where those things are not supposed to take effect. But we all know they do. But God does not respect persons in judgment. God's not going to be paid off in judgment. And so we shouldn't expect that. That just because I am a Pharisee and because I'm of the tribe of Benjamin and because I was circumcised the eighth day, and because I've kept the law from my youth up, that does not put me in a a more favorable position with God than some Gentile that's out in the world. God does not respect persons in judgment. 
So just because we're at liberty and we've been baptized and we've been faithful and we've been good all of our lives compared to people in the world and people that we went to school with and people that we know and people that's our family. I mean, we're above all of those. But before God, God's going to judge a righteous judgment. Are you a breaker of the law? You'll be judged as a breaker of the law. Judge righteous judgment. Verse 25, Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Howbeit we know this man whence he is. But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Now in, in these verses and in the verses to come, we're going to see the division amongst the people. You're going to see it all through the New Testament. A division. And that's what the Lord Jesus brings. He brings division and separation, not because He's mean or because He's, uh, not because he's doing that purposely, but His doctrine brings division. There's those that believe and move to and come to the gospel. There's those that reject and are against. But there's no neutral ground. You see that? There's no riding the fence. There's no being on the middle. Whosoever is not for me is against me. And if they're not against me, then they're for me. So there is no neutral ground with the Lord Jesus, but He's come to bring separation. So they said, this is He whom they seek to kill. So even the multitude know what their intentions are. And they said, but He's standing here and He's speaking boldly and they're not doing anything about it. What can they do? Can they arrest him and kill him as they please? Think very carefully before you answer that and realize the weight of the answer you're going to give me. Can they arrest him and kill him when they please? They can't. We've seen it in earlier chapters. We'll see it in uh, verses to come that his hour's not yet come. So he's in control and man cannot do fully as he pleases. He's under the hand, the authority, and the control of God Almighty. So they said, do they not know that this is indeed the very Christ? This is the Messiah. How be it? So see, here's one man saying something, and somebody else has got a rebuttal. Howbeit we know this man whence he is. When Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. We know where he's from. We know who he is. We know his mom. We know his dad. We know his siblings. They live in Nazareth, in Galilee. But when Christ comes... We're not going to know that. Well, I'd like to know how that could be because we know He's going to come in David's lineage. And if we don't know where He's from, 
How can we say he's from Bethlehem? And if we don't know who his family is, how do we know he's of David? But that's their argument here. And so in Isaiah 11.1, 1, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. Micah chapter 5, Thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, <clears throat> yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulders. Were all of those true? Did Jesus Christ fulfill every one of those prophecies? He's, he was of David's seed. We know that. We have the genealogies to prove that Jesus came from David. <clears throat> we know that he was born in Bethlehem. We know that by the decree of Caesar Augustus, there was to be a census taken. And he said, in order for this census to take place... Everybody needs to go back to their home country. Lo and behold, Joseph and Mary's home country is Bethlehem. Now she's pregnant with child. They make this journey back and it's while they're there for this census that Jesus is born. So he was out of Bethlehem. He was out of Jesse. He was born to a virgin. He fulfilled all of those prophecies. Could they not know that? We know it. Certainly they could have known it. But you see the blindness and the madness of man's heart and his mind prevents him from seeing what's so clearly in his face. Isn't that the way it was when you were lost? that though it was right there, though we had evidence of it, though the Word of God was there, and we could see the work of, the, uh, of Christ in the lives of other people, yet we were completely blind to what God was doing. And so these folks are there. There's a division. There's an argument. And, you know, perhaps this is part of it. We can see him gouge at Jesus a few times about where he comes from. And they accounted that Mary and Joseph, before they had been married, that she had gotten pregnant with this babe. And so they said, well, you're a fornication. We know where you're from. We know who you are. When in God's truth, they, di they didn't know anything. And yet, verse 28, Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, you know whence I am, and I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom you know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him 
because his hour was not yet come. Many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these, which this man hath done? So Jesus, as this conversation is going on, as the people are debating the multitude, and remember this, this is the feast of the tabernacles. Every man that was a Jew in the region at this time made the trip to Jerusalem to keep this feast. Jerusalem is a packed city at this time. And they're there and the crowd is debating who this man Jesus is. And you know that debate at this time of year and all through the year, that debate still goes on between man. Who was Jesus? A good man? A prophet? A miracle worker? He wasn't even real. He was made up. He was the Son of God. That debate still goes on today. And so as this is going on, Jesus cries out, You know me, and you know whence I am. You know where I'm from. You know my family. They could give testimony. Mary, no doubt, had given testimony, as well as Joseph, as to how he was born and how this came to be. But we don't believe that foolishness. That is foolishness. And God said the gospel of Jesus Christ was foolishness to the unbeliever. And so is the account of the Lord Jesus and His birth to a virgin that was unmarried. That is foolishness to believe such a thing. And the song Trish sings, Who could believe? Only those that God revealed to, period. Only. Only those that God bore witness to. As the shepherds were revealed, they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord hath made known unto us. Who knew but those that the Lord had revealed and made known the work of Christ to But he that sent me is true whom you know not. Here's the real problem. You know why they don't believe? They do not know God. He says in the Old Testament, maybe it's Isaiah, might be Hosea. But my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If the people knew, they'd do different. That's easy for us to say. But it is still true that if they knew the judgment that was ahead, if they knew their guilt, and if they knew the love of God in Jesus that took our place in judgment, would they not do differently? Would they not desire His blood to be upon them? Just like you did. When you realized your sin and you realize the judgment, and you realize the love of God in Jesus, did you not want to be in Him? Absolutely you did. So what's wrong? They have a lack of knowledge. But this knowledge can't be given by man. It can't be preached into their head by the wisdom of men. This knowledge is by divine 
revelation through the Spirit and the Spirit alone. They don't know God. And people today, they don't know God. A lack of knowledge is the problem. And listen, it's, it's not because the knowledge isn't available. It's there. It's written. It's taught. And it's preached. It's the blindness of man's eyes and his heart. So, he that sent me is true whom you know not, but I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Now you talk about words now that are going to make this crowd mad. So they're going to seek to take him. I've said this before. We're going to say it again here. That the opinion that Jesus was just a good man or that he was a prophet, this right here takes away that argument. A prophet, by the Word of God, the Old Testament, if a prophet told a lie, then he was not a prophet of God. And you could tell, God tells us, you can tell whether I've told them to speak or not. It's whether it comes to pass. If they speak and it doesn't happen, you'll know that I didn't send them. That's what God said. And would a good man be a deceiver to all of his followers? Absolutely not. So here Jesus is saying, I know God because I'm from God and God sent me. Now they get angry and they're going to arrest him. You know what he's claiming to be? The Son of God. Now if he's not, then he can't be a prophet or a good man because he's lying and deceiving people with his comment. So where does that leave us? Well, he's either a liar and a deceiver and a cheat or he is the Son of God. There's no gray area. There's no riding the fence. It's one or the other. And they say, well, I believe he's the Son of God. Well, why haven't you came and submitted to Him? Honest to God, people don't believe. They don't know God. They sought to take Him, but no man laid hands on Him. For His hour was not yet come. Psalm 76, verse 10. Listen to this word. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Psalm 76, verse 10. You see God being glorified by the wrath and anger of man and you see God restraining the wrath and anger of man. Well, I don't believe God restrains like that. Well, Sennacherib is going to come against Hezekiah down in Israel and he's going to fight and say, don't believe Hezekiah. Don't believe in your God. We've run over every nation in the world so far and we're going to run over you too. Did they have the power to do it? They sure did. Did they have the weapons to do it? They did. Were they stronger than Israel was? They absolutely were. Hezekiah is greatly troubled and afraid. But he lays it out before God. And you know what God does? God restrains Sennacherib from what he intended to do. 
Now he does it by sending an angel and killing 120,000 men, but he stops it from happening. Here, their intent, their desire was to arrest Jesus at that word. But they could not do it. And it was only because it wasn't time for Jesus to be arrested yet. Now you can, you can rest in that knowing that, you know, Clark said it in the Christmas play, and I think those words, they go over our heads a lot of times. But Jesus said to Mary, Go to my brethren and your brethren that I'm going back to my father and to their father. So as Jesus is in the hand of God Almighty and man can't get to Him except the Father give them that ability, there we are with Christ in God. It's, that's the truth. In Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure. God says, I'm going to do as I please, whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, whether you try to stop it or not, I'm doing and accomplishing my will. Now what's going to stop that from happening? There's nothing that will stop God from accomplishing His will. They're not going to arrest Jesus until God has declared it was time for Him to be arrested. Remember last week, Judas is being restrained. Here even the Pharisees are restrained from doing as they please. So then they said, When Christ cometh, will He do more miracles than this man has done? And listen to the first line of that verse. Verse 31. And many of the people believed on Him. So as you read that, you think, well, here's people that they've got genuine faith in Him. But they still don't know who He is. They don't have genuine faith. They believe on Him. Maybe that He's a prophet or that He's a good man. But they say, when Christ cometh... Remembering, Christ is not His last name. Christ was a title. The Anointed One, the Messiah. It's an Old Testament word. So when you read Jesus Christ, and really in English we probably should say Christ Jesus. Christ is His title as the Messiah, the Anointed One. So they're saying, this man, he's something else. But when the Messiah comes, he's going to be even greater than this man. Do they believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah? They absolutely do not. Do people believe in Jesus today and yet He is not their Savior? 
it happened then and it happens today. People have heard this Christmas story their whole lives and they believe that it truly happened. And yet, their sins to be forgiven and them to be in the family of God by the work of the Holy Spirit, it's never taken place. Just believing, remember, the devils believe and tremble. And so people believe, but I mean, their belief's not right. So verse 32, and and we're almost out of time. And many of the people believed on Him and said, When Christ cometh, will He do more miracles than these which this man hath done? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning Him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take Him. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, then I go unto Him that sent me. Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye shall not come. So when they hear what the people are saying, what really gets the Jews goose is they start hearing people that believe what he's doing. And so what they want, we need to shut him up to keep people from believing in him. I mean... Uh, uh, Caiaphas, I think, was the high priest that said, this man ought to die that the whole nation be saved. Now what he was talking about was politically and the, the Pharisees not losing their position, but God spoke a prophetic word through him and him not even saying the right thing. But that's their intention here. If we don't do something, people are going to follow this man. We've got to get rid of him. So they get some officers together and they say, go arrest him right now. Now they can't do it. They don't want to get their hands dirty. You see that? They wouldn't think about hypocrisy now. They're going to bring the Lord Jesus to Pilate to kill him when he's not guilty of anything and they know that he's not, but they say, we can't go into the judgment hall because if we did, that would defile us and we wouldn't be able to eat the Passover. It's in the Scripture. That's what they said to Pilate. Hypocrisy. You tell me how good you are. Tell me how good you've done. Show me all of your works. And I know you're an actor because we are all corrupt. Of ourselves and of our hands, we've made shipwreck of our lives and we've done it more than once. And if it was not for God, there'd be nobody saved. Nobody would know Jesus. Nobody would care about Christmas. Nobody would really know who He was. They said, go arrest this man. And Jesus says, yet a little while am I with you. Then I go to him that sent me. I'm not going to be here forever. It's what Jesus says. And really, he's just got a few days. I don't know if this is a year from his crucifixion, but it's, his time is drawing nigh. Yet a little while. That's the way we are too. We've got a little while. Yet a little while are we here 
to hear the word of God and to believe. Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am thither, ye cannot come. Now he's going to go away. And what he's saying here, he's going to be crucified and ascend back to God. Now how can they go get him there? If they look for him, can they find him? Can they go where he's at and find him? When he's with the Father, he's out of reach. Man can't go there. In John 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see. And again, except a man be born again, he cannot enter. John 6, 44, No man can come unto me except my Father which is with me. Draw him. In Luke 13, 24, many will seek to enter in and shall not be able when once the Master has risen up and shut to the door. You know when people are going to seek after God? It's either by the regeneration and by the drawing of God through the Holy Spirit or at the last judgment when the door is shut. Jesus is telling them, your time to seek me is going to run out and it's going to be then that they're going to seek him and they're not going to find him. God said, because I have called and ye have refused. Is that not what's happening? I don't know. People don't think we believe that Scripture. I believe that Scripture. God's calling. The Gospel's going out. Man is refusing the call of the Gospel. When you cry, when you call on me, I'll not answer what God said. And so that's the situation that the Jews are going to find themselves in. They're going to be separated from Jesus, unable to get to Him, unable to find Him. While today He's standing in their midst and they've got no desire for Him. And today our world celebrating Christmas today. And the Lord Jesus and the gospel in their midst and they care nothing for Him. There's a day coming that every person on the face of the earth will seek Him. (coughs) And they won't be able to find Him. The door will be shut and they'll stand before God in the judgment. So we'll stop there. I thank you for your attention and time. And I thank everybody again for the gift. Uh, I I really appreciate it. The opportunity to teach you. Um, I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. And remember the season and the time.